I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, May 25th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is being heaped upon us. And we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind you that our audio does stream at www.letstalknative.com. And we stream live video of the show on Facebook Live. Our shows are available as podcasts after our broadcasts on your favorite podcast platform. And we post the video of the show on our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Native TV. You'll also find other videos that uh, that we've been banging out uh, regularly over the last couple of years. And uh, we're going to put in a new effort. We've been doing a little bit of uh, some studio upgrades both here in the audio studio and our, uh, in our video sets. And uh, we're going to put some more uh, videos out there for you. And I realize, <laughs> attention spans being what they are, listening to a uh, you know a one-hour show or watching a one-hour show or uh, or even a 15-minute video can be a bit of a challenge for some of you out there. So we're going to keep our video short and sweet, uh, try to uh, entice you with some information that will make you want to look for more. Our goal here is to start a conversation, not to be the last word on any subject, but to keep people engaged so that when you're 
confronted with some of this when when you are out there confronted with racism when you're confronting uh climate change or you know uh you know any of the stuff that that you are well equipped with at least being able to voice somewhat of a native perspective not trying to provide that native perspective but at least provide a place to begin that conversation i am the host of let's talk native i'm assisted by jake proud here in studio who's managing our video and our sound hey we opened up with um uh with bug and malone a track from his uh, uh humanity volume one uh cd that uh that won the indigenous people's awards uh, just last week uh you know i've, I've i gotta tell you Bugamolo not only w- was gracious in uh, in his you know winning this award, but you know he did a, a shout out to a bunch of us and myself included from a, at least from the media uh, standpoint on uh, on giving him a voice, not just playing his music, but but giving him a place on our show both here and in, in New York and 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 you know so when I talk about that we're gonna we're gonna talk about the arts, you know I want to put a little bit of you know meat on that bone because we've we've done some some phenomenal things over the years and something that i i feel pretty proud of well i guess let me let me state you know right here that we're entering this summer we're entering our 10th year of let's talk native now are we some sort of viral sensation no and and we're now we're no media superstars i i by no means do i consider myself uh in any way shape or form a radio celebrity um but i keep doing it I keep doing it. And we've gone from commercial radio, a couple of different stations, uh, to now where we're primarily doing uh, internet radio for Let's Talk Native. Of course, I do um, a show in New York and have been doing so for, you know, five years now. Um, so, I mean, I do have a New York radio platform. We're on, on, on an FM station right in the middle of the FM dial, 99.5 and WBAI. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I keep doing the show. And... Part of the reason that I've been able to do this thing for you know now entering our tenth year is because um I don't need much you know we we built our own studio it was tougher when we were doing commercial radio because i I needed sponsors and I needed uh to pay for airtime I literally bought airtime but now we've we've got our own studio built up one that we we built for our purposes but we offer up to the public we're we're hoping that people will want to take us up on whether you you produce an audio uh not to necessarily just do a show, but I also welcome people to come sit in with us. Uh, that's how Matt Hill got involved in doing uh, doing the show with me so much. Ed, Ed Schindler and and, uh, and others because the door was just open and we just said come come join us. Come join us. You don't have to. You don't even have to speak on mic if you don't want to. And and that and we put that out there. But in the process, we've also brought in guys like Murray Porter. We had Murray Porter sitting in our in our studio uh, when we were doing commercial radio. Uh, had his his Juno Award for songs lived and life played, uh, uh, life played and songs lived, uh, songs lived life played. Okay, got it backwards. Um, we had him with his Juno Award mailed to him right here, I, you know, and uh, and we had we actually took some video shots and some uh, pictures of of him right through his glass Juno Award. I mean, this is um, you know that was some good stuff. We've had some great artists join us. We've had. You know, um, some actors and actresses. We've had some, you know, some uh, big name lawyers and uh, and politicians. We, I've I've had guys like um, um, Young Jibway join me here uh, on on my show here and in my show in New York. 
done some live events. Jeff Doreen, uh, and again, Bug and Malone. Bug and Malone and I, we, we did a whole special for uh, what aired on what people call Thanksgiving Day um, last uh, last November, uh, where we went through a bunch of his tracks and uh, and and kind of charted a little bit of his life. I mean, the thing about musicians, and 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 part of the the, the reason that, that I am so drawn to having conversations with them is because they represent a you know a, a different breed. The, the challenges that musicians go through um, in terms of you know bouts with depression and substance abuse and everything else man it's amazing to me how uh the the strength that some of these guys demonstrate in terms of perseverance to get through all of that and 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 of course have the creative process and uh and and you know for guys like murray porter or bug and malone or any of these other guys who who use their music as a platform to talk about our issues i mean Look, I do that in a radio show, and these guys do it in CD form. These, these guys do it in music, and so, I mean, when I think about what we've what we have been able to do in ten years, have we built you know millions of listeners? No, but I, I keep providing a what I think is a necessary voice and a necessary perspective on on a bunch of these things because I'll I'll tell you, there's a few news items that we did that uh, you know frankly didn't get get didn't get proper coverage and everything from you know a new york state senator getting involved in a in a you know brawl at the the seneca niagara casino some of what we've done with the mascot issues whether it was helping uh the local school here in western new york lancaster high school change its mascot and, and we were invited in to have a conversation about what that all means so whether it was that or whether it's you know voicing some of our concern about some of the you know the 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 um the National Football League team out of Washington, all of, all of that. We've had some uh, some in, incredible conversations. We've oftentimes not taken the uh, the path that everybody else takes on many of these issues, and you know we didn't we we don't do the show just to gain popularity. We we do the show to have conversations that aren't being had everywhere else. We're not trying to have the same conversation. I'm not trying to be. You know, reiterate what every other talking head on radio or on television is is doing. I want to offer a perspective that, while it isn't necessarily always offered up, once I have that conversation, I have people tell me time and time again, "Man, I'm glad you said that. I haven't heard anybody else say that on radio." So this show is different than uh, than many of the others, and and it, and it always has been. We offer a unique perspective. We offer uh, conversations on on the you know on history that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, offering a perspective, look, I, you know, one of the first ones to talk uh, openly about the Colin Kaepernick issue. Hawaii is a, is is a subject that I've given a com- tremendous amount of attention to. Everything from what essentially Hawaii has become, which is an illegal occupation by the United States. Uh, you know, they call it fake state. I call it fake state. The whole idea that Hawaii has been um, inundated by by the United States and and, and illegally occupied it with everything from its military bases, you know, so it can it can assert its strong arm position globally, uh, you know, to to what they what has been taken advantage of in terms of in terms of agriculture and trade and everything else. Hawaii has been a, a been a tremendous um, victim of uh, of United States imperialism. You know, and and they're not unlike many of much of what native people on the continent have gone through, and and yet 
there are strong people out there not only fighting things like the 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 30 meter telescope being put you know that that is being you know slated to be built on their their sacred mountain mount Achaia, but even standing up and asserting that no they are not the a state of the united states that they're they are a kingdom and they have the a legitimate right to claim uh and to assert themselves as the kingdom of hawaii which is what they were before the united states showed up on their shores so look we've taken on many of these 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 tough subjects and and that's what we're going to continue to do and is it popular no i look i piss people off every week and there are people who are who are intimidated to come to be a part of this show and to be a part of these conversations. And look, I don't disrespect people on, you know, um, especially in, in guests or anything like that. I offer a perspective that, that some people may, may have find trouble with. I mean, I, I essentially, uh, managed to, to change a, you know, the, the, uh, listserv on the doctrine of discovery, uh, served up by, uh, Phil Arnold at this at Syracuse University. Why? Because I had the nerve to challenge some of what the, uh, what guys, uh, folks like Suzanne Harjo or some of the folks from Onondaga have been saying, I asserted that uh, at the at the UN that even what they're doing with with the passport issue is an example or an, an overt act that fits within the definition of genocide and uh, and denationalization. And that was met with resistance by by some of the most the more assimilated voices that are out there. That's one of the things we do with the show. We we stand up to to the voices that say no. We need to go out and vote, and yes, we need to we we need to run for offices, and and we need to support their candidates. And I say no, we don't. Look, there are plenty of other voices giving a different view than mine. But that's what I'm trying to to offer up here is that no, you don't have to concede to that. And I don't care if it's Oren Lyons telling you to go out to, out and vote or Suzanne Harjo or, or anybody else. We don't have to necessarily succumb to that. Even if some of the people that we've, we've lifted up as heroes of ours have succumbed to it. It doesn't mean that we all have to. I did the, the interview on, uh, on The Takeaway with Tanzina Vega, her opening, her debut week. I did the interview and said, look, I'm not an American. And I didn't say it to insult Americans. But I, as we as Native people, and as we wrestle with things like I, our identity, which I talk about every week, these are some of the challenges that, that we face, and that's why we do this show. Look, before I get too uh, 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 much farther into it, I do want to say, look, this weekend, you know, by many accounts, kicks off the summer season. And I want to wish uh, everybody, but, you know, not just Native people, but everybody, you know, safe travel. Uh, I, we've got friends that have traveled to, to Aquasasne this weekend uh, th- uh, for their Guyana uh, uh, Goa discussion uh, that is that has taken place today and and through tomorrow. Um, I know I've got my friend Matt Hills on the road and, and you know and others. And so I, I I'm concerned about the the, the travel and, and that people travel safe, especially as they're you know if you're traveling with family. Um, look, the this the season you know gets a lot of people on the road and you know and and people aren't always careful so again i want to i want to wish a safe travels to everybody we're also coming into graduation season and you know the, the uh, again the summer season starts and so there's there's partying and all kinds of other stuff that we need to be concerned about so i again i i i wish safety and good health and well-being to to especially to those who are going to you know celebrate the season and celebrate uh 
you know, again, some of these, these, these life events and, you know, and again, I express my concern about, um, about safe travel. Um, look, one of the things, you know, as I talked about, we've addressed a lot of issues here. We, we, we do give a fair amount of attention to, to missing and murdered indigenous women and men, boys, girls, whatever. Um, and we're going to continue to do that. I'm working with James Gray, uh, Sugoyeta to, um, to try to build a bit more of a network. Um, there are some that are out there already and, and we're going to, we're working out the details right now on adding a feature to the show, which may be either a weekly feature, maybe a bi-weekly or a monthly, depending on how much content we have. Um, I'm working with, uh, uh Vanessa, um, uh, Dundon to, uh, from, um, missing flowers, M M I W M, which is the uh, missing flowers, missing and, uh, and murdered indigenous, uh, women and men. Um, and we're going to, uh, you know, spend um, with with this segment. We're going to spend some time talking about the the latest alerts on who's missing. Uh, we're I'm going to we're hoping to do some some uh, follow up so we know who's been recovered, who's turned up, you know, who's turned up that was missing. Um, to those who have be, uh, fallen victim to foul play, we're going to try to follow the investigations and the um, uh, prosecutions if there are, if any such thing happens. Um, but we want to we want to uh, I, I want to give more specific detail because when we talk about missing and murdered indigenous women and children and, and men we um, it's easy to think about it in just generically and but when you put a face on it and, and like I said uh, last week I talked about uh, this young woman from Chicago um, uh, although she is probably uh, Latinx or Hispanic whatever the, the label is uh, um, that people want to use. When I when I see people like that, to me they're indigenous. You know, you, when you see a brown skinned person uh, from this continent, you know, there's a lot of labels we stick on them. But there, but she was an indigenous woman and young woman, and she was murdered and had the had the baby ripped out of her womb. And I don't know, frankly, I'm not sure what the what the status of the baby is. But the same thing happened a few years ago to to Savannah Greywind, um, who again an, another indigenous woman um, who was murdered, and so. When you can put a name and a face on the victims of these of these crimes, and and of course put the name and the face out there for people who are missing, so before they become victims of foul play, hopefully there's something we can do. I, that's what I want. We want to play more of a role, and I want to use the show to do that. So, um, uh, and again, is this going to you know crank up our numbers? No, that's that's not what that's this is about. We want to provide a service and. Um, and hopefully, you know, people will pay attention. Will not only will we we um, uh, talk about the information, but we'll use our website, which is again letstalknative.com, www.letstalknative.com. We'll use the website to post up uh, up some alerts and and some notifications. Uh, of course, we've got a Facebook group page and a couple of them. One associated with this show, and one associated with the show in New York. Let's talk with John Kane, and of course, this one is uh, Let's Talk Native. So. We're going to use the resources that we've built up over the years and including, you know, you know, almost, you know, going into 10 years of the, of this show to provide this service because this is one of those e- issues that, that unites us all. I mean, this is a universal problem. It, we face it in every one of our territories. And in fact, it's, it's a global problem. Indigenous people are among the most vulnerable people to, uh, uh, to, to the to the crimes and indigenous women are are the most vulnerable of all and it's born out of 
not just imperialism and colonialism, but the rape culture that came along with that. Even these, these, these very pious individuals or what people want to believe were these, these religious individuals who, who, you know, who are part of this imperialism. They weren't so religious that, that, uh, that they weren't above committing, you know, rape, even as they were carrying venereal diseases and everything else. And that's what, we, and we talked about that. And, and I think that rape culture is still, um, almost give, you know, gives a certain, uh, you know, gives gives people permission and 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 of course with that rape culture comes male dominance and this idea of subjugating women and of course when you look at what the culture has done in terms of sexualizing women and 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 look you don't you don't have to watch porn to see women sexualized you can watch disney and see it done so this is what uh this is what has happened with between hollywood um, again, animation like Disney and, and, and others that, that have reduced not only we, us as, as indigenous people, but more, but in particular, our women into these, um, uh, into these caricatures. And, and by, you know, dropping a, a low shoulder and lifting a skirt, you know, it's almost, we're already, we're teaching children that, that this, you know, uh, the sexualization of, of of native women or indigenous women is is okay. So, I think it's really really important that we um, network with each other and and we create uh, better communications so we can address these issues in the way that they, they in the way that they really need to be addressed. And the more of us that uh, you know that can pass the word when when there is a problem when there's you know, look when. When somebody turns up missing in a given area, the more people we have in an area that can look out. Because let's face it, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes, uh, you know, these missing uh, women and boys are, are, are you know, girls, uh, men are are people who are just look. They're they're fed up with with their condition, with the, with the condition of their communities, or, or you know, some of the dysfunction in their families, and and they take off, and. Even if that's what they're doing, we we need to know that so we know that our people haven't um, become victims of foul play, and and you know and the whole the hope is that we, we we can fix this up. You know we can we can begin you know an intervention to to help families and to help relationships and to help you know parents and 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 kids work out and their and their teens work out their problems, and certainly to to get involved um, as as communities. Look, I mean, am I gonna am am I gonna solve a problem in California? No, not necessarily. But if I can help, uh, you know, spread that word, so the people in that, you know, in on the West Coast or in the Northwest or in the in the Southeast, look, we have native territories across the entire continent. I mean, you know, Mexico, Canada, U.S., whatever you want to call the the countries, we have indigenous populations in in all of these. South America, Hawaii, I mean, we so. If we if we care, and if we show we care, and we demonstrate our concern for each other, we can do more to help each other. So that's what I'm. Uh, you know, one of the you know, as I talked mentioned um, in in the promo here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to reflect a little bit on the past, but I'm also going to project about the future. And this is what we're going to do with the show. So not only are we going to continue to educate, and we're going to continue to. Uh, to, to talk about topical issues, co- uh, current issues, current affairs, and that kind of stuff, uh, contemporary issues. We're going to um, we're we're going to try to use the show to provide more of a service to uh, 
to our communities. And and again, on on one uh, on a given week, it may be all about uh, you know Pine Ridge. It may be all about uh, Hopi Navajo territory. It could be you know uh, you know Apache land. It could be you know. So we're gonna we're gonna dance around where wherever there uh, there is a. Um, perhaps an uptick in, uh, in in people that have turned up missing or become victims of violence or whatever else. And that's what we're going to talk about. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I look forward to working out this. And whether we whether we do live segments with call-ins, we're, we're still working out some of the details. But uh, with um, uh, Missing Flowers, we're hope we're good, we can uh, uh, provide a feature that is at very least um, um, every couple of weeks. You know, we'll we'll see how much content there is, but uh, well, you know, in, in all likelihood, we'll probably do something weekly, uh, and yeah, and again, uh, get another voice weighing in on the subject, and whether it's uh, uh, Vanessa or Brooke or whoever um, is involved with the organization that'll that'll help provide give us some some context and some content on the issues that are facing our territory. So that's what we're gonna do. All right, hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so. Uh, well, uh, we'll take a break and we come back. We'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more. I got some stuff coming on uh, coming up in New York this week, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, when we come back. This is John Kay, and this is Let's Talk Native. I was Rakim, Chuck, D&E, PMD Public enemy number one started freeing me Believe you me, I was boogie down productions Karis one woke me up so I can function I was MC Shan and Roxanne, Roxanne I was Run DMC and Kumo D, my man I was LL when he was bad as hell I was fat gold chains and even furry kangos I was shell, told Adidas, British knights and feelers And I was a hustler like I see and I was down with cop killers I was in the gang like Sugar Hill, had friends like Houdini and I was slick like Rick and like the party with martinis. I was Dougie Fresh with the Get Fresh crew. I was day to day with fame, fool. I thought you knew. I was Grandmaster Flash when I got the message. These are the brace that's my man Curtis Blow as I wrecked it. I was Fat Boys and Starsky. Digi Scotland Rock, Red Alert, and Eric B. I was Jam Master J on the turntables. Biz Marquee when he got the papers. We caught the same season, used up extended warranties. I wanna rock the planet like African Bombada. I was Dominic Cross when he was Dama Halasa. I was NWA and the Fifth War Boys. And if you hear any noise, it was me and my boys in the hood. Up to no good, rocking Scarface. All I have in this world is my boss and my word. I was fat laces, be quiet, all you gas faces. You are slow talking, I'm fast talking and fast paced. And I never segregated rappers from the east to the west. I was Tupac and Biggie cause they flowed the best. I was always Dr. Dre, one of the best producers. Never got down with backpack Dr. Seuss's. I was Ice Cube and my man went solo. I was even down when you couldn't play with his yo-yo. I was a fugitive like K-Solo. I was beatboxing, boomboxing, slapboxing, breakdancing and popping. I was on the quest to find my so-called All right, a little bit more Buggin' Malone. And again, uh... You know, my congrats to Buggin for uh, for you know winning uh, best rap hip hop CD at the Indigenous uh, Music Awards this past week, and uh, and again my props back to him um, for for giving giving uh, myself and others uh, the shout out for you know 
help helping to him to stay you know inspired um it, you know these are uh, i'll tell you it's it's not easy for native artists um especially musicians to um to make it in in the business because in order in, especially for for hip hop i mean the thing about rap and hip hop is that it's it's urban music and urban music became a thing because of again the dense population centers that that black artists were able to tap into to create that urban music sound so when you talk about a native artist even native artists who who maybe they have their their street cred from being you know from being raised or living in the cities they don't have the uh um the, the urban uh crowd supporting them so they've either got to be able to cross over into uh into, into again to to that market that that um that supports that urban sound or they because we as a population as native people we, we're not a big enough population to to garner that success so it is a very tough business and 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 it's not just for hip-hop i mean when i think about guys like murray porter who is as good a blues man as 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 exists anywhere but again crossing over into the uh into that industry that is dominated by you know by so very few they don't look to indian country i mean look that that's that the movie that came out rumble uh, the Indians who rocked the world, a phenomenal movie. But most people who saw that film didn't know. They didn't know that the you know even even as they hear Jesse Ed Davis playing the guitar lick on Doctor My Eyes from Jackson Brown, or they you know or or they look at you could have, you you could have seen Guardians of the Galaxy ten times over, and if you didn't know that it was Redbone singing "Come and Get Your Love," if you don't know that, you don't know what role Native people have played in uh in in music and not just contemporary music but even going back to where blues and you know the the native sound that uh that 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 even in fact um affected black music no this is what's um so so it's difficult and so you know i i i'm glad to to offer my support and to whatever extent you know my show here my show in new york can can help any of these guys whether it's you know young jibwe or you know Jeff Doreen or any of these guys, you know who are, um, you know who are, who are using music as a tool to further some other uh, other goal. I mean, look, I I I I I have to applaud these guys. All right, um, hey, let me uh, uh, thank my sponsors before I get too carried away here. I want to thank uh, uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. Uh, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, uh, and those of you, you know, there's a few others who who help from time to time. Uh, one in particular that helps uh, uh, monthly, and that's how we're. That's why we can enter our tenth year. You know, we wouldn't have even been here if I didn't have folks like you, and um, and of course others uh, who you know who sponsored us over the years, especially when we were doing commercial radio. If we didn't have that support, we wouldn't be able to enter our our tenth year, and so. I am thrilled to be able to do that. And, you know, look, would I like to, to uh, bump up our listenership? Absolutely. But, you know, I know that I, I'm, I'm providing a service, and it may be only to a handful here and there. But I'm hoping that the conversations that we start here continue on. And so they start, begin to affect. I know that we're doing a different kind of radio show than anybody else. Nobody's doing quite what we're doing here. And, of course, my show in New York 
is not just a, a native perspective on contemporary issues. It's a talkback show. We we take phone calls and and look, we get uh, we get all kinds. We get some people who support native people and some people who condemn it. I mean, it, it, to me, it's amazing. At this stage of the game, we're still having a debate over whether native mascots at uh, at high schools and colleges and pro teams, wh- whether that's still. I mean, it's hard to believe that's still a thing. I mean, and and when you think about some of these mascots being using, you know, racial slur like Redskin, whether it's the NFL team in Washington, the nation's capital. I mean, how ironic is that that the that the nation's capital, you know, for a country that, that wants to stand up as this, as if they are the represent the hallmark of human rights, and yet the one of the biggest sports in the United States, football, has a a race a racial slur for its name at the in the nation's capital. I mean, it's you would think people would be embarrassed by it. But again, this is like, you know, what happens in the United States is everything becomes a right-left conversation. Not that there aren't some plenty of racists on the left, but the, but the right looks at at any kind of correction. Any any anything that's pointed out as as having been wrong or being wrong. Oh, yeah, that's just being politically correct. Well, yeah. You know, look, there, there's a there's a real problem with uh, you know with, with calling somebody by a racial slur, and the fact that you would actually use a racial slur for for a team name, it's hard to that's still a thing. And then we get into the debate whether y- utilizing a people for just purely for entertainment reasons, for you know, and for mockery, I guess, for for high schools or colleges or pro teams. Well, what's wrong with that? And we get into this whole question of whether utilizing our images or our names or our, our culture, our dance, whatever, is it's supposed to, they want to claim that it honors us? I mean, it's it's amazing to me because if you put it into into perspective with with history, and, and that's part of what I try to do. I mean, when you talk about you know the the dichotomy of of white kids getting to play Indian <laughs> um, and and mock Native people for entertainment and, and, and for sport. At the same time, Native kids are being ripped from home, sometimes, you know, hauled thousands of miles away or a thousand miles away from their from their families and their community, put on residential schools and having the, the Indian beaten out of them. Kill the Indian, save the man. I mean, how can anybody suggest that this idea that that school kids acting out as as native people for the for the for their mascots is honoring us at the same time that our children were being beaten for speaking the language for you know trying to hang on to any shred of native identity i mean it, it, it you know it's absurd it's absurd you know I, I was recently you know asked um about working on a on a survey that uh that is being utilized to understand what native people go through in terms of the the stem fields uh, of study especially and and the conflict that uh you know that comes from that and you know of course what what does that all mean well one of the issues is that we as 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 native people who have a a sense of responsibility not just as stewards of the earth i i you know that sometimes can be um i don't know you know looked at almost as trite or uh you know or overused just like the the expression um the seven generations concept 
the whole idea there is that we have a responsibility to make sure that we do no harm so that the next generation and and including the generations we'll never see which is you know why we talk we refer to seven generations because that's far enough down the road look it's it's easy to look at your kids and say why well, I, I want to do right, right by my kids or maybe your grandchildren you say oh i want to do right by my grandkids i want to make sure that the world that they have is you know they have all the things and maybe even more than what i had but when you realize that through consumption and through um uh, some of the very practices that we that we've adopted in the name of improving ourselves or, or in improving the quality of life, that there's a cost that is being incur- uh, that, that is being almost like mortgage. We're mortgaging the future of people that that perhaps we'll never see. So that's where the seven generations thing. We're supposed to be responsible enough so that when we make a decision, we do certain things today, that we will not leave a negative impact for those children we will never see, for those those generations we will never see. So how does that relate to the our role in technology? Well, I mean, think about what technology has done. Now, and I'm not saying science and technology are, are bad things. They aren't. But when you, when you consider how technology is oftentimes tied directly to, you know, war, weaponry, you know, um, uh, creating weapons of mass destruction. I mean, look, uh, you know, the whole idea of nuclear power was this, okay, now that we've, we've created a bomb that can, uh, you know, or, or the ability to, to blow things up in ways that we, that were unimaginable. You know, there were some people who were concerned the first time they lit off a, a, a nuclear weapon, an atomic bomb, that they could have wiped out the entire population. There was a fear there. Some scientists said, look, we don't know. We don't know what kind of chain reaction happens when you split atoms like that. But you know what? In the interest of science, some were willing to do that. And so we built, you know, mankind built bigger and bigger and bigger nuclear weapons. And then, and then the promise, well, we'll, we'll create energy with it. Well, now we've created a mess with that. So where do we fit in that? Because even even beyond the STEM fields, even beyond the, the science and math fields, even our men who were involved in construction, which is essentially taking technology and turning it into something. Look, we, we had some of our men working on nuclear power plants. We had some of our men working on nuclear silos. I mean, this is what what the, our iron workers, our high steel, and and you know our 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 guys did. So where does that that becomes a conflict? I mean, and of course, I can't, I can't help but think about um, this this idea of putting this huge telescope on Mauna Kea in the interest of advancing science. Well, for one thing, what is that really advancing? Oh, it's going to be. I mean, I've, I've heard some people try to sell this as uh, as the modern day version of the of the Polynesian Voyager spirit. Give me a freaking break! This is about building a huge building on top of a mountain that has already been exploited by University of Hawaii and so many other uh, areas of uh, of astronomy, so they could build um, uh, telescopes. There's already thirteen telescopes up there, but no, that's not enough. We got to build. A bigger and bigger and bigger billion dollar enterprise. Well, where does that leave native people? I mean, even those of us who are interested in the, in technology, in, in advancing technology, at some point we get into a conflict because we understand that technology is somehow working against us, our culture. We're working against the, our commitment to seven generations. Because when you advance these technologies, 
look at it's it's real easy to look at how it's supposed to improve life, but we don't consider what the what the downsides are. Well, you know, if you're going to build a building on the top of a on the top of a mountain that, that some people consider sacred, there's a downside almost immediately. And if you look at what technology has done, <clears throat> look, we're broadcasting this thing on Facebook, and we're and we're using the internet for it. And while that can be a positive thing, it's funny. A few years back, um, a group out, uh, I think it was uh, Coeur d'Alene, they attempted to create uh, a, almost a native version of uh, of Facebook, Rescast. And we couldn't get our own people to su- support it enough. We, they couldn't get enough membership on Rescast. That's R-E-Z-K-A-S-T, I think it was. or I don't know if it was Z or S. It might be R-E-S-K-A-S-T. I don't even think you can find it on, online anymore. But I used to put all of my shows up on Redcast. That's where I I, uh, I saved the audio, and and of course um, it, it had plenty of fanfare. They spent a couple million dollars trying to develop it. I've got friends like Charles Vargas and and others down in Apache territory trying to do more to create our own ability to utilize technology and and be in the driver's seat on it. Well, I mean these are the challenges that we have, and and and. And I'm not giving the answers here. I'm just talking about what the problems are. The problems are that we've been used in many of these situations. I mean, they, again, going back to war. At the same time, they're, they were trying to snuff out our languages. They decide they're going to weaponize our language. Now, that may not seem like a STEM field, but communication certainly is. So what was the most advanced code that they could use so the Japanese couldn't break their, uh, you know, their code in, in terms of communication well we're trying to kill a language maybe we can find enough people who still have bits of it that we can exploit and look i know you know every we keep we keep hearing about these code talkers and what heroes they were well you know, look what they did as individuals may have been heroic but think about what was really done there the very languages that they were trying to kill, they weaponized. And they used our people. They didn't, they didn't provide us with, with tools to help, uh, to help us preserve our language. No, not at all. So they got to exploit something that was ours for their technological advances, for their war machine. <clears throat> and, then, and then we're all supposed to seek and have this special kind of pride and encourage our, our kids and our grandkids to, to enlist, to, to serve in that same military that did that to us? See, this is where it, get, where it gets challenging. <clears throat> I'm not against science, and I'm not against technology. But we as Native people, we get exploited in this stuff. You know, where do you think they blew up uh, many of those nuclear weapons? Either in the South Pacific, where indigenous people are impacted, or on Native lands. Not only Native lands where they blew these things up underground, but where they stored the nuclear waste. Look, even as I sit here today, 30, 30 miles upriver, 30 miles upriver is where uh, the West Valley demonstration project, this whole idea of, of what West Valley was supposed to be, it was it, it was all about um, Adams for Peace. <laughs> yeah, so that's what they called it. They were going to uh, reprocess nuclear rods um to essentially provide almost free power to people. That's what they're going to do. Well, that didn't happen. So what, what West Valley became was a place to store military spent rods and, and military contam- uh, nuclear waste. And of course, what happens? It leaches out of the ground. 
they 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 think that they're smart enough to to you know overcome the forces of nature even as they've done something unnatural like create they create this nuclear waste and you know what they you know what they call it <laughs> they, they what they call it when they they see radioactive waste leaking from a from a storage area they call it a plume isn't that nice that makes it sound like a feather right well they they have a a plume which means they can see this this um this area that just kind of seeps through the ground and where does it come into the Cattaraugus Creek the river that come, runs right through Cata, the, through the Seneca Nation territory of Cattaraugus so we become the victims and usually the I mean the most vulnerable victims where do you think all the Agent Orange went to when they were when they decide they're going to discard it right along the, uh, along the San Carlos uh, River in San, San Carlos Apache so we become the dumping grounds for their waste. We become the test areas. You know what, what happens in Hawaii? They use one of those islands just to blow the crap out of it. They just light off bombs. In Hawaii, same in Puerto Rico. The, one of the beautiful beaches of Puerto Rico. Nah, we're just going to use this indigenous land to blast the crap out of it. That's how they advance their technology. That's how. That, that's where some of these STEM fields get utilized. You know, it's it's fine to say, okay, we're going to build a thirty meter telescope and we're going to put it up on Mauna Kea because we we're interested in in reaching and, and looking into space and understanding the cosmos. Yeah, until it becomes some sort of uh, um, tool for for weaponizing space. And don't tell me that it hasn't been t- talked about. I mean, NASA. I mean, for for all of the work that that has been done with NASA, how much of that uh, the advancement of the of some of that technology? Has turned has been weaponized. I mean, there's, there's a fine line. I mean, not only were the first astronauts, you know, bomber pilots and fighter pilots, the, they were military men themselves, but it, but it becomes reciprocating, where advancements in uh, in uh, in the aerospace industry. I mean, that line between aerospace industry and the uh, uh, military industrial complex. There's no line there. It's it's hand in glove. So it is difficult. It is difficult because while I don't want our people left up, left behind uh, from a technology standpoint, we have, I mean, where, where's our role in it? Where's our role in, in trying to be responsible to the, to the future generations of, our, of not just our people? I mean, look, when we talk about seven generations, we aren't just talking about seven generations of, of our, our own offspring. We aren't talking about our own family tree. We aren't even necessarily only talking about human beings. We're talking about what what seven generations of, of life are going to experience. We have a responsibility to all of it. Now, it isn't because God or Creator or some you know personification of the power of creation gave us that responsibility. No, we have enough sense. We may be have been the only human beings on the planet who had enough consciousness to say, no, we 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 need to be responsible because the things that we do impact the future. Everything we do today. Now, it may be in a small way and if we and if we manage the things that we do, we know that nature all by itself cleans up after us to some extent until we go over the top, until we start producing, we don't produce water, we produce plastic bottles for water. So until we start under, un, 
owning the negative impacts that we're having every day. Well, look, we, we have we have seas of plastic float, you know, flo- floating out there. That's what we that's what we've con- contributed as a species to the planet. Contamination, climate change. That's what we that's what we've contributed to uh, to the planet. Well, look, we're we're great at you know at being these technological wizards. Well, when do we turn it into something good? Not just something that we think is self-serving that's going to make our lives easier because that may that may not be the solution. Maybe we need to use technology to say what do we need to do to to give us the tools to work harder. Not to work not to not to live easier, but to but to live longer. What are the tools that we need to develop that's going to enable us to to do some things that are going to have a positive impact on the on the next generation, the generation after that, down to seven generations. Those those children that have, have that we will never see. I mean, this is this is part of the question, and this is why we need to have the conversations. You know, when when we're battling, you know, social justice issues, those things impact generation after generation after generation. So when when people say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with being called a redskin. Well, yes, there is something wrong with it. The idea that you're reducing, for one thing, even if you don't associate the word redskin with with the bloody corpses that were uh were were left from being scalped, you know, for bounties. Even if you don't do that, even if you're going to say, "No, we're only talking about the color of your skin." So you're going to reduce a human being to the the most outer lay <laughs> outer uh, layer of our of our existence our mere skin see these are the things that if we don't address them then every generation becomes more and more negatively impacted by it that's why we try to have the conversation that's what we try that's why we try to we, we try to do on the show is to say let's talk native anything let's talk native arts let's talk native culture let's talk native history let's talk native politics and in the process look have we changed the world no maybe not but you know we provide a little bit more conversation and and, you know and and we do have impact look you know like i said when a headline read a few years back that a new york state senator was savagely um ambushed by native people at at the seneca niagara casino our show here turned the headlines within a, within a day. So what what stopped being or what initially sounded like you know this poor New York State Senator was ambushed by Indians. I mean, they even threw fire water and all kinds of other stuff into the conversation. We turned it. We we turned the the, the story and and as this guy wanted you know was out for blood. We we we. Should, uh, we exposed him for the putts that he really was. And, you know, the, the headlines died. We we did that. We did that with this show and with help. I mean, with, with uh, you know, folks who provided me with, with video and, uh, and, and interviews, people who were, were at the, at the you know, at the event, you know, who, who witnessed what, what took place. So we, we do have impact. And, you know, I would like to think that, you know, some of what I've talked about on this show has perhaps – Shaped and or even emboldened the Seneca Nation as it's battled the uh, the state of New York 
over um, them trying to rape them for their uh, for their gaming revenue. I mean, I'm not saying we we don't we don't dictate, and we haven't uh, um, you know we haven't uh, forced them into doing anything, but we certainly have provided information, and we've we've given the rationale, and and by having the conversation here on the show, it starts the conversation out there. And so the whole idea of who supports the you know the native position on gaming, who supports the native position on mascot issues, who supports the native position on on state politics, national politics. Well, we at least begin some of that conversation. And, you know, and of course, I I, I still once again I got to return back to the to the sponsors that we've had over the years, the people who've who've enabled us to do some of this stuff, and some people have done you know bits and pieces here and there. You know, I, I, as I as I sit here today, I'm I'm staring in front of uh, my MacBook, which was a gift to me by my good friend Neville Spring, who who is one of those guys who supported the show over the years. You know, I've I've had people um, who you know guys like Harry Wallace who helped me with with hotel rooms when I was staying in New York. You know, um, and of course, you know my my good friend Sugar Montour, who was one of my early sponsors, and you know uh, one of the guys who supported this show in in one of the biggest ways and of course my my good friend ross john who continues to be my my biggest uh you know sponsor you know for for the show so i mean these are are you know are people who who find value in what we do here and of course it isn't just what you know what we do on you know twice a week on let's talk native or and once a week in new york city you know we we bang out some videos. I've I've written columns. You know, all of the support that we get for doing what we do here enables us to do more. So I thank all of you. I thank all of you who who've supported the show. Um, and we're not done yet. Done yet. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it. And whether you know whether we got a a dozen people watching or, or whether we have you know twelve thousand people watching, we're gonna you know or twelve million. Yeah, it'd be nice. But uh, whatever we've got. We're gonna we're gonna continue to, to have the conversation. So, even as you know, a handful of people catch the show, they're gonna say, you know, I heard something. I heard something there. Um, you know, maybe you didn't know about Lincoln. You know, uh, signing the execution order for Thirty Eight Dakota. Maybe you didn't know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg cites the doctrine of Christian discovery. Uh, to rule against the Oneidas. Maybe you didn't know some of this stuff. Maybe you didn't know that a uh, you know that uh, a Trump appointee sided with the with the liberals on on two native cases, which I talked about the last show. These are things that um, you know are are important to know and keep our eyes open on. And of course, as I said in the first half of the hour, uh, first half of the show, um, we're going to take a a a keen and particular interest in um, in this missing and murdered indigenous women and men issue we're going to get we're going to stay on it and we're um as we and we'll begin to unfold a bit of a feature that uh that we'll have here uh, maybe once a week or you know twice a month we'll, we'll we'll figure out that figure that out as we go and of course i'll work with my good friends uh my friend uh, james gray on on doing more with um uh, um with with trying to create a network so that all that all you know um works from this base from this base that is let's talk native and again i thank you for the support i think i uh, thank all of you who share the show who um share the podcast the videos and uh 
Uh, and and I really do appreciate those of you who offer the comments. Uh, that's how um, that enables us to you know, to to keep the conversation going beyond the rate beyond the show beyond this microphone. So we appreciate it. Look, I want to thank you for uh, uh, a bit of a uh, again uh, what I call this. I call these kinds of shows the mixed bag show. I don't have one topic to talk about. I I kind of you know uh, bring bring a few things together, and so I appreciate you uh, you giving me your time and your attention. Well, uh, well, we'll see you back here on, uh, on Tuesday. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. No way.